Welcome back to another episode of Sweatpants and Coffee Stains. Today will be a unique episode as I not only have our first male guest, but it happens to also be my husband, Jason, and this will be an unedited, raw um, recording of this podcast so that you can get to know us, and we are going to be talking about what it takes to have a marriage made for more, and um, it is quite messy. So it's a perfect topic for this podcast, and I'm excited to share with you a little bit of an inside um, look into our marriage and into our life, but just so you can get to know Jason a little bit, Jason is 39, going to be hitting the big 4-0 next month. Um, he is addicted to fishing football and then he wrote Sarah. So I'm going to take that as a good thing. Um, he likes to spend his free time going out on his boat whenever he can and building furniture for our house, which if you've been to our house, we have a lot of pieces that are beautiful, um, and well-made, uh, including this dining room table that we're sitting at tonight. So, um, definitely pays to marry a handyman. Jason's originally from Philadelphia, which is fitting because Philly, the Phillies are on their way to the World Series, so that's exciting in our household right now. And um, he is one of four children, studied political science in college, and has worked in the tech and hospitality world for over a decade. So please help me welcome Jason. Thank you for having me. I heard you needed somebody who was energetic and charismatic. And you were the first to come to mind. That sounds about right. Okay, so now that you're here, let's introduce you and tell our listeners what you're actually like. Okay. (laughs) Not to make it sound like you're awful or anything. I appreciate that. (laughs) I love football. I love fishing. I love being out on the water. Um, Which is interesting and always has been to me because you're not an outdoors person. But that's like the one exception. Yeah, I mean, I I like being outdoors. I just don't like sleeping in like a tent overnight outdoors. So... Like I'm an outdoorsman in that I like to be out fishing and outside, but I don't necessarily want to like sleep in a tent or on the ground. That's not me. I'd rather saying be that specifically fishers. because I grew up doing that. And for the last seven years, I've been wanting to go on a rough camping trip. And it's just not something that appeals to this Philly city boy. So I guess that's how we would differently define outdoorsmanship but please continue that is true yeah um let me see um i'm originally from philadelphia i moved down here for college in after college in about 2006 i've been down in pensacola ever since met the love of my life about seven years ago uh no you didn't you yeah. met me seven years ago or sorry married <laughs> the love of my say. life about seven years ago and it's been like happily ever after, ever since. Mm-hmm. And just to clarify, my delay is because I was drinking hot chocolate, not because of anything else. But one of the questions we get asked often is who liked who first? So I'm curious what your perception of that story is. Um, I'll just go off of people that knew both of us at the time who would constantly tell me, hey, this girl, Sarah, really likes you. And wants to have redhead babies. (laughs) So I think that kind of puts that question to rest. Yeah, it's true. Actually, uh, I did see you. I want to say I stalked you because I definitely dated people in between the time that I like saw you, liked you, and then like 
figured you were like, wait, because you're nine and a half years older than me. And so. They're called placeholders, by the way. What? The other people. Okay. All right. Anyways. So. (laughs) um, Oh, the people that I dated? Yes. Oh, I thought you were talking about the people that communicated to you. No. That I was. Okay. I gotcha those placeholders and went throughout life because we were at two very different stages in life. So didn't think it was going to happen, but definitely was okay with it happening for a while. And then when it did happen, it was kind of like, well, this is cool. So we started talking my senior year of college and then I went to Africa for a summer. And then when I came back is when we started dating. So been about nine years, I would say in a relationship. Probably. Yeah. About nine years. Man, time flies. It certainly does. It does. And we're not the same as we were when we met. That is accurate. Yeah, definitely different. Yes. Than... What are some of the ways you feel like we've changed? Um, politics, probably. I would say your politics have changed a little bit. Mine, I feel like, have mostly stayed the same. Maybe I tend to be a little bit more libertarian than I used to be. But and what do you mean by that? Like how? Um, I'm more like, let people do what they want. Yeah. You know, yeah. people true. are adults, let that. them make their own decisions. Whereas I probably wouldn't have said that 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like we were pretty hardcore when we met both of us and then just different experiences, obviously with me working with a very diverse people group that changes perspectives and things. And I've definitely become more moderate, but uh, on the things that matter, I feel like uh, still the same. So yeah, we've definitely changed in politics and by things that matter, I mean like core worldviews and like values, but um, so politics and then even just like personality, personality changes a little bit, like as you mature, like, your interests change, your the way you value and use time, your priorities, and things like that all change. Yeah, I don't feel like I've changed that much in most of those areas, but I'm sure there's some small changes out there. You definitely like are more adventurous in the foods that you'll eat. That's a super low bar, though. Yeah, I literally eat like three things when we first met, so very frustrating for me because I eat like everything so why are you not eating your head I'm agreeing you do eat anything (laughs) I love food um so with that how would you say dealing with me throughout our marriage with those changes and like even like just to be raw and honest like with some of those political changes like it's been a little frustrating, I'm sure, because it's like, you know, we once agreed and, you know, different, like I said, different experiences and working with different people have kind of ch- shaped my views on a few things and how things are done. Um, so, like, how would you say that that's affected our marriage or do you feel like it has at all? I think it makes for some interesting fights, you know, not like knock down drag out fights, but. Disagreements, disagreements, arguments. We fight like about finances, but like, and that's like really it. But when it comes to like, 
like what I where I find us at a lot, especially like after Chase goes to bed, we'll like start talking about some political issue and then we'll come up with these hypotheticals and then we're like down these rabbit holes like and we're like, why are we yelling at each other? Like this hasn't even happened. Yeah, but they so get pretty heated before we get yeah. to that point. So they're definitely some heated disagreements. I'm passionate the and you're intellectual. So it's like you want me to see it from your logic's point of view. And I want you to see it from my heart. Yeah. Well, while we've had a good, you know, run of it without any like major messy points, I would say, you know, there's obviously been parts along the way, you know, that we would consider messy, um, you know, early on, you know, when we, when you were pregnant with Chase, you know, we got some news from the doctors that there may be some serious physical issues there. And we really didn't want to bring, you know, others into that because we weren't sure where that was going. So um, I remember us just kind of making an agreement just to kind of keep it between us. And so I remember that was hard initially. I do feel like that kind of pulled us together early on because it was this one thing, you know, that we had that we didn't let anybody else in on. And of course, in the end, it worked out, you know, the health issues that were, you know, a possibility there did not come to fruition. So it was one of those things where, you know, it was a gift that, you know, it, it allowed us to kind of pull together. It was difficult, but allow us to pull together. And then in the end, things just worked out for the best. Yeah, no, that's definitely, uh, I was, that early on, that was, um, to your point, a time that really brought us closer together. And I think close to God, just like, I remember fervently praying during that time because it wasn't a matter of if we would handle it. It was just how are we going to handle it? If these things are actually, you know, to the level of severity that we originally thought. So, um, that, and then <laughs> another messy time that I think about is like when your family lived with us for three months, like that was you know, definitely straining on us as not only a young couple, but we had a little baby and we had a 1200 square foot house. And then we had a whole nother family living with us. And although we love our family, of course, um, you know, I think anytime you bring other personalities into your house and especially for, you know, an unforeseeable amount of time, it can, it can definitely be stressful and working both working full time and all the things. Yeah, I remember that time vividly. It was uh, interesting, that's for sure. Um, I think the big thing there was it was such a small house that we were in at that point. We were renting a pretty small house and, you know, there just was not a lot of room for one family, let alone two families. So you force two families into small quarters with, I think there were four dogs in the house at that point. It made things interesting for a few months there. So it definitely, you know, it was a trying time early on, I would say. What are some of the things, you know, through those times and other times, even more recently, like we just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary. And I would say this last year, it was definitely true to the words that were spoken to us that, you know, leading up to year seven would be a very difficult time and typically is in most marriages and definitely was our hardest year on many fronts. Um, but what are some of the things that you feel like got us through those messy moments in our marriage? 
Um, so just kind of speaking like more recently, I would say, you know, in the past year, a lot of things changed. You know, we both had um, job changes. You know, we have Chase going to school full time now. Um, there was a big transition from especially your job, you know, which was keeping you busy, you know, late at night on the weekends sometimes. And that, you know, that was a struggle to get through initially. And so um, I would say learning how to better communicate was probably the thing that, you know, helped us most. Yeah. You know, because obviously we had, um, you know, this year was probably one of the tougher years, just kind of recentering ourselves and kind of taking a hard look at our relationship and saying, okay, you know, we may have gotten a little bit of late, we may have gotten a little lazy. Um, a little complacent. Maybe it's time to really take a look at, you know, where our relationship is and, and realign it back to, you know, a point where, you know, it's pleasing. Because like we mentioned, it is supposed to be a picture of Christ in his church. And, you know, I, I feel like for a little bit there anyway, for a time, um, it was probably not like maybe on the outside, we were giving off that feeling. You know, maybe I'd like to think that people were looking at us and saying, oh, yeah, that, you know, that's just rock solid. No issues there. You know, but obviously when you get down to it, everybody's relationships, everybody's life has messy points that others can't see. And so, you know, looking back on this year, just really taking a hard look and saying, okay, what what can we fix? Like, where were we when we first started that we've kind of wandered a little bit and is there a better job that we can do with communication just across the board? And I think that's always been, and is always a struggle with any relationship mm -hmm. um, can be communication. And I think learning how to better communicate was one of those things that we kind of really took from this last year, you know, just learning how to communicate better with each other about when it comes to our jobs and our personal lives and our, you know, relationships with other people and all that stuff you know, just doing a better job across the board with communication. Yeah. I think obviously communication and then communication and the standpoint of like talking about the hard things, like obviously, you know, the whole five love languages thing, like we are not unique to any other couple where there are certain ways that you feel loved and respected. And there are certain ways, okay. All the ways that I feel loved, and, you know, we often joke that, like, I have all five of the love languages and then even some plus that because, like, I just love to be loved. And with that, like, affection is something that's very important to me and it's not to you. And so, um, you know, and you very much need to be respected. And for me, as long as you love me, like, that usually is enough. And so, like, learning how each other needs to be loved, but then also how we love is one thing, but then being willing to transition how we love to how our, our spouse needs us to love them, I think was, is, it's a difficult conversation to have. Like, how do you tell somebody, I know you're loving me, but you're not loving me the way I need to be loved. Like, that's very difficult. So I think this last year we were able to come through some of the circumstances that we went through enabled and it enabled us to be able to have those conversations where it's like, okay, I need more of this from you 
and in return, like, I'm going to work on doing this. Like for, like, for instance, I'm very affectionate and I need you to be affectionate to me. And that's difficult for you. Just like you're very financially minded and you need me to be physically minded and I'm not like, it doesn't come naturally to me, but like, I am striving to be more like that so that I can validate that need that you have, if that makes sense. Yeah, there's definitely a little bit of give and take and some compromise there. Um, you know, just kind of re um, orienting our relationship and our priorities, I think was the big thing. And like you said, just looking at areas where, you know, the other person was seeing, you know, that they fell short and then trying to readjust that and, you know, aligning better together. And I yeah. think oh, the communication is kind of what it always goes back to for me. Like that really was what kind of turned things there and said, okay, we just need to do a better job of communicating and, you know, letting each other know when we feel like the other one is falling short or needs, needs a little bit of help. Yeah. So communicating definitely one, I think just showing up for each other, even when the other doesn't know it. So like, you know, you work from home and I'm kind of all over the place with my jobs. And so like when I come home and there's X, Y, and Z that needs to be done in my mind throughout the day. And I come home and you've already completed those things for me. Like to, like I wasn't there and you didn't know that I needed those things done per se, but like you showed up for me, even though I didn't ask for it. And, you know, times when you needed me to have things done or, you know, bills paid or whatever it was that you couldn't get to. And I was able to show up to you because I knew even without you asking that it would be a blessing to you and take stress off of you if I just went ahead and did it, even though it wasn't something that like I would enjoy doing or prefer to be doing. So I think finding ways to show up for your spouse, um, obviously in practical ways, like I mentioned, but then also spiritually, I think being consistent and praying for each other every day. And it's not something like you have to pray necessarily with each other every day, even though I I feel like the days that we, we do pray together, either before I leave for work or w- before we go to bed, like I, I definitely feel better those days, but like just showing up and knowing that I can go throughout my day because I know my spouse is praying for me at some point within their day is super helpful as well. Yeah, agreed. I mean, just on a spiritual level, knowing that, you know, the other person is there for you, has your back, you know, is thinking of you. um, That definitely helps lift you up and helps you to, you know, get through your day, keep going. So. Yeah. And then, you know, on one of the closing notes, you know, obviously, the more you're, the longer you're married, the more you live with someone, the more you get to know them, the more they annoy you, the more, you know, things, people change over time and all the things that happen in any relationship, you know, you don't feel always like loving the other person. And when I say that, like, obviously in the just met and dating and engaged and newlywed stages, like you're so infatuated and obsessed with the other person. But that is a feeling. It's a component of the bigger love and picture that marriage is. And so as 
you change and develop in your personal life and as you change and develop in your marriage and time goes on and things change and all, all of the things that happen within life, those feelings are going to change. You're not always going to feel that newlywed passion, nor should you, right? Because you have to show up in other areas of your life and you're completely obsessed with one person your entire life. Like you're not going to show up in those other ways. So like as we've grown in our marriage and over time, what are some ways that you feel like we have been able to keep the spark alive and still remain best friends and um, be able to show up for each other and, and not on a superficial level though, like as far as like, you know, being all over each other and, you know, like newlyweds are. Yeah. So there's definitely like every relationship and everything, there's different seasons. And so, you know, when you're dating, that's one season. And then when you're newlyweds, that's another season. And to expect any couple to act exactly the same, you know, in every one of those seasons is, it's just not, it's not done. You know, it's, it's not uh, something that actually happens. That doesn't mean that your love for each other or your feelings towards one another have changed. It just means that you're in a different season. You know, Mm -hmm. life happens, things change. You have kids and, you know, you have job changes and things like that. And so, um, uh, I would say that, um, kind of what helps maintain that, at least for me anyway, is doing stuff together and taking that time. Like I remember when, uh, when we first had Chase and we took him to his pediatrician, she was really adamant about us making sure that we like took the time to go on dates on, you know, on, on a, a consistent basis. And, you know, I think that's one of the areas when, you know, the relationship is at its best. And when we're feeling, you know, the best we can be in a relationship is when we're taking that time to do those things, you know, go out and do something fun and, you know, just remind yourself that this is not just a person who is a roommate. It's also a person who's your friend, you know, and doing something fun, you know, kind of brings those feelings back, those memories back. And so you kind of, you know, help rekindle that over and over again. Yeah. No, that's good. So obviously you and I are very old school, if you want to define it that way, in our view of love and marriage and sex and all of the things. Um, But for a a couple that is about to take the plunge into um, saying their vows and committing their lives to each other, what is some advice that you would give them besides run? Besides run, um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I would tell them to I would tell them to never stop dating, which is it's cliche in our world. Mm-hmm. Like you hear that, you read that in every book, you hear that from every marriage seminar. But how many people actually do it though? That's probably why we hear it so much, right? Yeah. And I think that's why it's important to remind people. And 
it's one of those things where I think, you know, even in our marriage that we forgot it for a while there, you know, we thought we were doing it. We're like, yeah, we go out every once in a while. We go out with friends, you know, and we would kind of almost substitute that for being our date nights, you know, and, um, we're going to the movies as a date night. I'm sorry. That is not an acceptable date night. Like, we go to the movies a lot and we enjoy the movies, but that's that, like, qualifies as, like, a family night. It can't be a date night because you're not actually conversing and doing life. And you're just sitting in front of a screen, which we do on the weekdays. So, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> just throwing that in there. I would not disagree with that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think that that's the big thing for me. Cause I think if you're doing that, then you're, if you're doing that, then you're putting time and effort into the relationship. You're giving back to the relationship instead of just taking from the relationship. And so for me, and I think that's kind of like, you know, like I mentioned, that's kind of where we came to this year. That was one of the things that we decided to take a close look at and, you know, uh, we did a really good job at that, you know, and, and then life happens again and then you have to remind yourself to do it again, you know, so we've fallen back on doing as many date type outings as we were doing this summer. And I think that's just cause you get busy, you get into the fall and then the holidays and you start, you know, just kind of forgetting to take that time. So it's a constant reevaluation of, you know, okay, are we doing what we need to do? Are we taking that time together? You know, it's like Sarah said, going to the movies or going out with your kid is not a date night. You know, that's a different thing. That's a family night. So yeah. um, that would be my um, recommendation is, you know, just don't stop dating. I know it's cliche, but yeah. keep up the dating life and I think you'll be happy. No, that's good. I think for me, it would be two things. Um, the first is don't ever get to the point where you feel like you're fine. Like, don't ever get to the point where you feel like you have the best marriage in the world or that you're invincible because I feel like that's that gives way for Satan to prove you wrong. And I think that it's a very dangerous mindset to be in. So that, and then also always be spontaneous will always forever be my advice because I enjoy spontaneity and I love surprises. And um, I think that that just adds a lot of flavor and spice to the marriage. It's just so. Yeah. Complacency is the enemy of progress. Yes, that is very true. And comparison is the thief of joy and everything else because that's one thing you can fall into. And I think maybe we fall in there too, is that you can compare your marriage to other marriages, but what you don't see is their mess. And I promise you there is mess behind every marriage. And if someone tries to convince you otherwise, there's a reason why they're trying, why they're lying to you. Like it's just, it does not, not exist. So don't compare yourself to a marriage I think it's good to have marriages that you look up to and you say, okay, you know, I'm obsessed with all of the cute Instagram old couples that come up on the reels and they're like holding hands and they're like 80 walking down through a park. Like, I totally want that to be us. But like outside of that, like don't compare yourself because it's just going to bring you frustration and then you're not going to be content with your spouse and want your spouse to be like this other person. And um, again, just dangerous place to be in. So, um, Jason, thank you for branching out 
against your personality and your will and coming on my podcast. I appreciate it. You're welcome. This is definitely a first for me. Maybe I should consider making my own podcast. Maybe you should. I would support you in that. You have to buy your own equipment. Sweatpants and iced tea. Yes. Podcast So that was going to be next question. So bonus round questions like I always do. Jason, unfortunately, is not a coffee drinker. So um, I'm going to alter this question just to simply ask you, what is your favorite drink? Um, It used to be iced tea. I used to be addicted to the stuff. Um, And then I had an unfortunate kidney stone situation a couple years ago (laughs) during a hurricane. And so I still like iced tea, but I would say that uh, my current favorite drink, and it's not any better, is Dr. Pepper or Cherry Dr. Pepper. I love this stuff. But it's really good. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. And what is your favorite thing to do when you're not working and taking care of all the things you take care of? Um, I don't get to do it as much anymore, but I would say uh, just being out on the boat, fishing specifically, but nowadays just being able to get out on the water. It's one of the main reasons I like living in Pensacola. And so having that water access so close and being able to go out on a boat has always just been that's something that I enjoy. So I would say that's that's my favorite thing. Me too. I just don't get invited as much as the boys do. So I'm just going to leave that there. Anyways, hey, there's a date night idea. There you go. There you go. Um, and the last, or not the last thing, um, but the number one thing left on your bucket list. That would be jumping out of an airplane. I've always wanted to do it. And I always said that I would do it at some point. So I plan on jumping out of an airplane before I'm too old to do so. It's funny because my number one bucket list item is flying in an airplane, but not just any airplane. I'm going to fly with Blue Angels. So my number one is flying with Blue Angels. Your number one is jumping out of a plane. At least we found some common ground that we both want to be in the air when we accomplish our number one bucket list item. So. Well, maybe, maybe someday I'll take you up in a Blue Angels jet and then I'll eject and jump out of the I plane. I don't like the way this is going. Jason, thank you again for joining us. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Sweatpants and Coffee Stains. I'm your host, Sarah LaFevers, and if you have found this podcast episode to be a blessing, I encourage you to read it, share it with your friends, let people know that we are here and the content that we're providing for female leaders. And if you want to give us a five-star review, that would be super helpful as well. We look forward to bringing you more content in the coming weeks. And until then, stay messy.